Praise the Lord. All right. Good morning, guys. Good, Tegan. How are you guys? That's good. You guys will be more excited here in a minute. That's fine. Um, wow, Emily. Sheesh. Um, good morning. If this is your first time here, my name is Brock, not the pastor. Uh, Jeff is currently preaching a camp. Um, what's so funny about that? Uh, Jeff's currently preaching a camp, so he asked me to preach in his stead. Um, I have an, just a quick announcement, and then we'll get started here in a second. Let me get my, in my Bible to where we're at today. Um, where is, is Chloe here? No, it's not. Oh, dang, that sucks. Okay, well, pray for Chloe. The, Jeff, Jeff and I were at this camp on Thursday, and we sat next to this girl. Her name was Chloe. And he was like, Chloe, I have a friend back at, at my home church whose name is Chloe, and she's really cool. And so I have a lot of expectations for you. And immediately the fear rushed over her face. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely I thought it was funny, but she was like, she did not like expectations. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we should just start calling her there, Chloe. <laughs> Uh, no, it was funny. So anyways, Jeff's preaching like four messages in four days. So um, pray for him as the camp gets over. He got to lead somebody to the Lord last night. So that's cool. Um, yeah, that's always exciting. Even if we don't know the person, even if we've never been to the church, it doesn't matter. Anytime that someone gets saved and joins the, the kingdom of God, it's an amazing time, right? Um, so I have one announcement. This is from, comes to you from Manning, Do uh, Manning Dobson, who is um, on vacation. Okay. Um, this Friday at his house, I don't know what time, you'll have to blow him up in the war chat. He uh, is having a hangout. Um, I would assume it's like six or seven. He's, they're going to be cooking hot dogs. He said to bring some sides. His suggestion was, if you're a girl, bring drinks. And if you're a guy, bring a side like chips. Um, but, it, but I'm saying to you, if you don't bring something like potato salad or macaroni salad, it's not worth it. So one of you, yes, Rashawn, by the way, that was the password macaroni salad and, and you missed it. So, um, if you're going to this thing on Friday, bring some good snacks. That's like your first entrance into like how you get into Kaya and like, get like good with people is like, you bring good snacks to parties. So you just don't have friends. That's it. That's all Kaya's about. <laughs> snacks. <laughs> How'd you get 200 people strong in Kaya? We brought good snacks. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so he wants a head count. Does anyone know for sure? Like, I'm going to be there at all. If you can, just raise your hand. Two. Two. Yeah. Come on. Somebody else join. <laughs> okay so manning's listening probably about four um Rashawn, check on that dude you got like five you got like five days so all right cool all right so um that's the only announcement we have uh we're gonna we're gonna read this this second peter chapter one here in just a second um the key, the key text is just five verses, and really it's just a little bit of intro, 
And we're just going to focus on a couple keywords today as we get started. Um, what I want you to do, though, is um, listen. Anytime someone's preaching up here, hopefully you're listening. Um, but what I want, I want to get from this, uh, what God really spoke to me when I was talking, when I was praying about this message was, um, what does it look like to be more than just a follower of Jesus Christ? And I don't mean that in a sense of um, like, like being a disciple is anything less. I'm, I'm saying like, what does it mean to follow Christ more than just on Sundays or, or when your parents tell you to? Um, what does it mean to actually um, decide that the word of God is worth following and it's worth um, that he's worth being right with? Like, when are we going to decide that? For, for everyone else, it's a different age. It's a different time frame. I don't, I don't know when it is for you guys. Maybe some of you have said, I'm sold out. I'm all in. Regardless of what happens, I'm going to know truth and I'm going to obey truth. And, and I'm going to be totally cool with that wherever it leads me. Man, and if you're there, praise God. Seriously, it's so cool when I hear young believers, uh, older believers, everywhere in between when they say, you know, you know God has, has worked in my heart and I'm here and I'm, I'm here to stay. And when you get to see those people that are here in high school, in Kaya, wherever they're at, and they're sold out, and they say, whatever happens, whatever truth leads me to do, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it heartily as unto the Lord. It's the most amazing feeling you could ever see. Um, so as we get through these, these five verses, they're very short, and if you're not paying attention or you're not looking at what the words actually say, you can, you can miss it, and you can miss nuggets of God's truth that... Um, I know men and women have used for their whole entire life. They've, they've gone back to these truths over and over again uh, in order to follow the Lord and to follow the Lord well. So we'll get the verses will be up there on the screen. It'll be second Peter chapter one. Uh, we'll start in the first verse. So Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given us unto all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. All right, let's pray. Um, dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this opportunity again to come up and speak. And uh, God, I just thank you for um, your word. Like I could never get over of your word and, and Jesus. Those are the two things that um, will always baffle me, that, that you chose to die for me. And then you wrote me a book um, that told me how to get to know you. And so, Father, as we come here, let's not take your word lightly. Um, God, let us have a heart attitude that says that we believe your word and we want to do your word. And uh, God, I just pray that uh, there would be no distractions. God, that we wouldn't have um, a mindset that would be uh, twisted or, um, yeah, just completely against what your word says. God, would you use this time for your glory and our benefit? Uh, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So kind of our thesis, kind of our, this won't be on the screen, kind of what we're going to be talking about is this chapter continues on. If it's, if it's, the thought is continued and preached till the end, it's about 10 verses. But I know that we don't have time for 10 verses here. 
um, especially with trying to study each one of them out, because there's seven characteristics that Peter lists here in this passage, and they're, they're fantastic um, characteristics. They're um, characteristics you want in a godly um, husband or wife. They're characteristics you want in um, your children, your, um, anyone you work with the, in the church and things like that. You want your pastors to have these, these characteristics. Um, they're characteristics of a mature believer. Um, and we'll just, just be discussing the first two, because if we don't get the first two down, if we don't understand these first two, uh, virtue and knowledge, as we talk about here in a minute, the rest won't happen. And um, is Josiah is the next one, the picture? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so what I call this is the fruit of pers uh, perseverance in the faith. I made this at like two o'clock in the morning. So if it's off center or something like that, please have grace with me. Thanks. I just literally made it on a whim because I wanted to show you guys what this says. So um, the understanding that what this passage says is this, basically, that you are supposed to add to your faith, right? And we'll talk about this in a minute. What are you supposed to add? We're well, supposed to add virtue. And then you're supposed to add knowledge. And then you're supposed to add temperance. And then on top of temperance, you're supposed to add patience. And on top of patience, you're supposed to add godliness. And then on top of godliness is brotherly kindness. And then on top of that, on top of all those things, charity. And those things are super important. Now, charity isn't less than virtue. These aren't in terms of scale and in terms of how much. It's just a, it's just a stepping stone, right? To getting to know God in maturity and in, in, in intimacy as you go through his word and as you go through time as a believer. Um, some of the counselors in here who have been following the Lord longer than I have, they have this down and they're, and they're following this path and you can see it in their lives because they've simply spent time with God in his word, in his church, with his people. Just by the fact of the spirit of God dwelling in them, they now have more um, understanding of the Lord if they apply his word correctly than I would, right? So, so that comes with time. So if, you, if you're here today and you're reading the Bible and it's not like just absolutely tearing you apart, that's okay. That's okay. We'll work through that. And as, as you grow and mature, maybe you've been saved six months. I don't know. As you mature and as we talk about this, you, you'll, you'll get it. It'll grow. Um, that's super important. It feels like on certain days, especially when you're a high schooler, that you're like opening the word and you're like, okay, I understand these words, but they're not really applying to you yet. And that's okay. I beg you and I pray that you would continue in that you would continue in the work that you've been doing and, and the word that you've been reading. All right, so let's actually get into the passage now. So let's read, uh, we'll read the first verse real quick. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Um, Josiah, will you go back to the, the text slide? Um, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So a little bit of context. Um, Peter is writing to a group of Christian Jews. They're Jews that um, were, were saved by the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? So, so they were Jews. You can go to the third one, uh, Josiah. They were, they were Jews who, sorry, the fourth one. There we go. Writing to Christian Jews, they accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. These are people in the early church. Uh, written in a similar time frame as the Pauline epistles, right? So Ephesians, we're in right now. This is kind of a similar time, talking to different people 
Um, this isn't in your church epistles, but you can definitely get inspirational application from that. If you have questions about what that really means, we can talk about that with counselor afterwards. Um, having that said, what, what I want to make sure that people understand is, is two things. One, this is second Peter. So obviously there's a first Peter. Um, the first epistle is, is just establishing the faith to the Jews. And he's, and he's talking about what it's like to be a Christian, right? Imagine when you just got saved and, and Jeff sat you down, like, so Jeff leads you to the Lord, right? And he sits you down and he gives you like a, a lovely soliloquy of what it's like and a list of all these things that um, are super important to the faith. That's what Peter did in his first epistle. It's a general epistle is what it's called. And it's to the, the Christian Jews, right? Um, and so he, he does that. And then he comes back a little bit later and he writes a second epistle. Well, why? Well, because these Jews are being persecuted for their faith. See, it, it wasn't like this where you can come and you can gather freely. Um, being a Christian that was formerly a Jew often meant that you were exiled. It often meant that you were persecuted by the same people that you used to go to synagogue with. Paul experienced that. Paul did that. Um, and as, as Peter's heart is for these, for these Christian Jews, he's like, hey, I want you guys to understand that what you're going through, the trials of your faith, it's, it's all the more important because you know Jesus Christ. And, and so he's writing this, and it's, it's a beautiful letter. You should check it out sometime. Um, again, it's not quite written uh, to you. It's written for you. So there's some things in there that might be a little weird. And first and second Peter, that's okay. If, it, if you read through those and it trips you up, come find one of the counselors. They'll be able to explain it to you. Um, but I, but I want to do that because I want to set this historical and contextual lens in, in order to say this, um, that they're going through persecution. So the things that he's writing aren't just good things. They're things that can endure. They're things that if, if I was going through a hard time and someone wrote me a letter, I'm, I'm in a foreign land and I'm really going through it. And, and Philip Murphy writes me a letter and he says, hey, continue on. Do these things. Make sure, make sure that you do this and you do that. I don't, I don't know what they would be, but like I would read that and I would be like, man, I got to do this, right? He knows what I'm going through maybe or he, he has more uh, wisdom and knowledge because he's older. Um, but he's, he's got this understanding that I don't have, and that's great. And so if he wrote me a letter and it was like, Hey, endure, man, I don't know about you, but I would be galvanized by that. I would be encouraged by that because someone is saying, I know what you're going through and, and keep pursue, uh, keep persevering in the Lord and, and do the things that he's called you to do. These are the things you need to do. So we need to have that lens in order to understand um, what we're talking about here today. So, uh, oh, and I just want to say one more thing that faith is so that faith. Um, hold on, let me lost, lost my notes. So he calls it precious, which is important because that makes it valuable. Something that shouldn't be taken lightly, this like precious faith. So, so our faith is both precious, but it's also unifying. He's, whether you're a, a Christian who was previously a Jew or a Christian who was previously a Greek, you're going to go through hard times. But this faith, that's what brings us together. So, so wherever you're at, whatever background you're, you have, um, I don't know if you came from a Christian home or a non-Christian home, but, but this is family. 
right? Uh, no Dom Toretto, but this is family. So we have to, to have our faith be unifying. And it has to be that if one person hurts, we all hurt to a degree. It can't be debilitating, but it is important. Okay, so Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, that's salvation. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay, so here it is. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. I want to hone in on that phrase, um, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It's a very lofty phrase, right? And if you're, again, if you're just reading through it, you're like, okay, God has given us things. No, no, no. The scripture says all things. I'm going to be cheesy. Say it with me. All things. Man, you guys are so lively right now. I love it. Um, if you feel like I'm yelling at you, I'm just a loud person. I, um, my, so my mom actually has a legitimate hearing problem. Like she has this way that her eustachian tubes work in her ears is they, they bow down. And so she can only hear certain pitches. And which with me, I naturally mumble. And that really makes my mom mad. Um, but my whole family is loud. Like you can ask Lauren, my whole family is pretty loud and it's not because we're angry. It's not because anything, it's just because that's who we are. What's that? Yeah. Cause mom can't hear. Exactly. So, um, if I'm up here yelling, it's not because I'm mad at you or because you really need to hear what I have to say. It's because I'm just a loud person. Um, so God has given all things unto you. You, believer, the one who has like precious faith obtained through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord, um, all things that pertain to life and godliness. And that's so important. You guys are in high school. Some of you guys are 14, 15, 16 years old. And the world is coming at you with a lot of things right now. Careers, um, goals, college, all this stuff. And, and the idea that... Um, you can make that decision at 14 is really difficult. I, I couldn't make very many decisions when I was 14. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but know this, that, that believer, if you are saved, if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you, you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. So what are you lacking spiritually? Well, the short answer is nothing. The Bible just told you, but I'll give you some references since you asked. Uh, Romans 8, 31 and 32 says this. So Paul gets done with this really, really long um, uh, message in Romans chapter 8. And then he says all these things. So what shall we say then to these things that he just listed before? If God be for us, who can be against us? Here it is. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for all, us all. How shall he not with, with him also freely give us all things? God didn't even withhold his son from you. When the cross happened, and, and, and Jesus Christ, right, the Son of God, bled out for your sins. What, what can you think of that is more valuable to God than his own son? I can't think of anything. And God gave that to you for your salvation. And so how much more is he freely going to give you the spiritual blessings that you need, the spiritual gifting that you need? Here's the second one. Um, for in him dwelleth, this is Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him, that's Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
Here's verse 10. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You, when you got saved, not by your works or anything like that, but by God's grace alone, you were given all things spiritually. All spiritual blessings is what Ephesians said. We read that in the first chapter. So, so you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. And let's not take that for granted. But there's one more thing we have to note in that. There is a caveat. It's all spiritual blessings. So the longer answer is, what are you lacking? Nothing if we are walking in the Spirit. And for that, we have Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's the key to this. If you're here today, if you're here um, at church regularly, and you um, don't get what's going on, you, don't, you just have no idea, and, but you know you're saved. I trusted in Jesus Christ on this day. I repented of my sins, but I'm not getting anything that the pastor is saying, the preacher is saying. Okay, well, maybe we ought to examine our lives. Are we walking in the Spirit? Because my Bible tells me that I can get anything from the Bible that's truth. I can pull from this all things that pertain to life and godliness, even at 14, even at 15. Is it maybe that I'm just walking in my flesh? Is it maybe that I'm not actually trusting the Lord for things? That I've, I've gotten saved, but that same um, faith that saved me, I don't really have it right now? That's okay. If you're here today and, and you're saying, I'm, I'm walking in the flesh, that's me. He's talking about me. Okay, well... Let's talk about it afterwards. This isn't just a, a salvation message. This isn't just a sanctification message. It's both. And if at any point in time you don't feel like you're walking in the Spirit, there is a counselor who would love to talk to you. Here, junior high, adults in second service, there is a team designed to be there when you respond, when, when you reach out. When you come back like the prodigal son and say, I messed up, I'm not living right. Okay, we got people for that. Let's come talk about it. All right, all that drudging on for this. The first key point, uh, key point number one, if we are not walking in the spirit, the glorious gifts and treasures placed in God's word will not be accessible. Could you imagine if, if I was standing over here and, and I said, um, there's a treasure right there. You just got to go open that chest. And you were like, uh, I don't believe you. And I was like, no, 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 really. There's this wonderful treasure. It's right there. All you got to do is walk 10 feet and open up your treasure chest and you can find it. But you got to go dig for a minute. There's some marbles. There's some other things like that. There's gold at the bottom. You just got to go dig. You'd be surprised at how many people today would not go do that. Because they don't do it with their word. There's gold in your Bible. There's gold when you're walking in the Spirit of God. And we just, we just don't do it. Why? Ah, because we're tired. Why? Ah, because I don't feel like it today. My emotions are, are all over the place, and, and they don't feel like sitting down and reading the Bible. Can I tell you there's a lot of days I don't, sit, I don't feel like sitting down and reading the Bible? I love Jesus Christ. I've been saved for a few years. There's some days I don't feel like getting up and reading my Bible, but I know that there's treasure in there if I just go and get it, if I just go dig for it. But if I'm not walking in the Spirit, I'm going to miss the glorious gifts and the treasures that God's placed there. 
All right. Um, so we've, we've gone through the first um, three verses, essentially. I want, I want to mention that last part, that he's called us to glory and virtue. Um, yeah, we'll talk about virtue here in a minute. I don't, I don't want to spoil the word virtue, but, but you've been called to glorify God and obey truth is what I'll tell you. That's the best way I can describe that with the time we have left. You are, you are designed and called to glorify God, and you do so through obeying his truth. So we'll move on to verse four. Um, says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So um, God has given us wonderful promises through his word. What Peter is illuminating in this passage is that we can be, can be partakers and co-heirs with Christ if we so believe these promises as they say so in the Bible. And if you're not believing the promises of God, if you're here today and you're like, I don't, I don't really know, spend time with God, trust God, and he'll show you he's faithful. Was he not faithful with the Israelites in the wilderness? Was he not faithful with every unfaithful servant this whole time? We looked at, we looked at Elijah on Tuesday, right? Was he not faithful to save that child? Man, God is faithful. And the longer that you walk with him, the more that you walk with him, the exceeding great and precious promises, they show up. And the more you go through, the more life throws at you to get you off your track with faith, the more those promises become precious. And for the persecuted church, these Jews that he's talking to, that would have hit like cold water in the desert. That just would have been perfect for them. All right, so... Um, Again, he's talking to Christians that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. If you don't know, the world is corrupt. And it's mainly corrupt because of lust. This is what this passage is saying right here. And it says that you've escaped the corruption. And I just want to pause for a second and say this. It's saying that you escaped. So if you're here today and you're putting yourself constantly back in sin, why would you go somewhere you've already escaped from? Like escape doesn't mean like, oh, I walked away. Escape, when you escape from somewhere, you like run away. You ever been in like fake jail and tag or something like that? Yeah. And then they're like, uh, you know, you get freed by your friends or something like that. Do you just like casually walk away? No. The answer is no. You dart away. You go back to safety. You go back to your friends. When you're, when you're in that situation, you just get the heck out of Dodge. So, and you don't go back. I hope you don't go back to jail and, and tag, like just voluntarily, like, oh, okay, it's been a while. I should just go back there. No, <laughs> that's weird. And you would be the worst tag player in the history of ever. So, sorry. Um, Tegan, did that hit a chord? <laughs> that's okay. Um, so don't go back. Don't go back to the corruption that you were once in. Sin happens. Everyone has sin. But you don't have to keep walking in that same way. You don't have to keep going back to that corruption that was in the world. That you were escaped. That God bled out and died so that you could escape. So, um, all these things to say, that's what he says next in verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence... 
um, add to your faith, virtue into virtue, knowledge. So this is where we'll camp out for the rest of the time. So that, that phrase, giving all diligence. Um, by the way, Alex Allen wrote this song called Giving All Diligence. Uh, it's a fantastic song. Every time I read this passage, it gets stuck in my head. Yeah, I sing it, but it's great because listen, you guys remember song lyrics. Like I say all the time, like I can't remember some of the important things from school, but I remember song lyrics from 20 years ago. Okay, well, well, by God's grace, Alex Allen wrote a, wrote a song that is essentially just writing down 2 Peter chapter 1, and I memorized it, basically. He's summarizing the 10 verses. He's definitely summarizing 4 through 10. And so um, if you have a chance, I know you guys have Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube or whatever. There is giving all diligence on all those platforms, and you should check it out. It's Temple Worships is a band that the main church has, or that Kaya has, I'm sorry. And check this song out. It's really good. And I know all seven of these by heart because I sing that song all the time. I won't sing it for you now because I don't want you guys to run away. But um, Jeff's the guy that does worship, Tegan, not me. That's, that's, that's it. <laughs> no, bro, you're the one that does solos. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> all right. So giving all diligence, though. Um, this part of the passage is setting us up to understand what Peter is wanting to actually tell us. This is all set up. I know you're like, you're 25 minutes in your message and you're just now doing set up. I know, but it's important that we understand the context. It's important that we understand uh, what Peter's wanting to say and who he's wanting to say it to. So um, this is the call to maturity. This is where it starts. What I mentioned at the very beginning the call to maturity is what the title of this message is. This is it. Because what Peter does here is he assumes, and rightly so, that salvation is just the beginning. That faith is just the beginning. Right? So we get to this point, and he says, add to your faith. You who have obtained like precious faith. You who got saved when you were six or when you were 25. That person who, who um, trusted Jesus Christ and has gained by, by grace alone, that precious gift, that's because of faith. And we know that. We know that at one point in time, the love of God was shed abroad in your heart. It's Romans chapter 5, right? And that someone preached the gospel to you, and then you got saved. You saw the love that Christ had on the cross for you. You knew that you had to accept, right, and believe on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to avoid the fiery pit of hell. And you said in faith, you cried out to the Lord and you said, God, save me. I'm a sinner. And that's the most wonderful thing. But that, if I can say so, is the very beginning of your faith. The theme of the Bible is not personal salvation. It's a king in his kingdom, by the way. Jesus in his second coming. And so if it was salvation, that's why when you got saved, you didn't just poof. You didn't just disappear. You don't just sit in church now for 50 years and say, okay, well, I got saved, so I'm going to go. No, that's the basis. He says, add to your faith. That's where we're at today. So if you're here and you're in high school or, you know, like the junior high should hear this too. There's, there's a lot of people that should be reading this chapter because this is the very beginning. And I don't know where you're at on your faith journey. I don't know if you've been saved for a couple of years, some of you technically could be saved for like 
eight or nine years, which is actually longer than I've been saved. Um, and wherever you're at on your faith journey, man, God wants to use you. God wants you to mature. God wants you to spend time with him. I know we say that, but we shouldn't take that lightly. There's a lot of people that wait until after they're 18 to let their parents' faith become their faith. Good, well-meaning kids that were raised in church, maybe even served in church. Like, like George Grace said at, at family camp, if you were there, hey, you need to know what your Bible says, and you need to know why you believe what you believe. It can't be that your pastor said or your parents said, and I know there's kids. I know it, and it breaks my heart. There was kids who went, to the, who went to a church, and they sat there for maybe even 18 years, and they got saved, but they didn't read their Bible. And they went off to some college five, six, seven hours away, and they didn't know why it was so important, just so important that they go to church or that they love Jesus Christ, or they preach the gospel. And someone in the world came up to them and said, hey, you want to do something on Sunday? And they're like, oh, I should go to church. And that person was like, why? And they didn't have an answer. And those kids are no longer, they're adults now, those adults are no longer in church. And it breaks my heart and it breaks God's heart. So as I'm sitting here today and I'm talking to you guys about this again, man, let's, let's have this call to maturity. Let's give all diligence to our faith and let's add these things so that we can remain in the faith. And so as this chapter says at the end, that we can be fruitful. Um, we, might, we might finish this at a different time, the, the other five ones. I think it's really important to finish them. But So Jeff and I are talking through that right now. Um, okay, so Peter is sending to to probably young Christians, right? This thing, a roadmap uh, to guide them in spiritual maturity. This is the best I can describe it. Um, okay, so what is it like to give diligence? Well, diligence is defined as a couple different words in your Bible. It's defined as haste. Um, not haste in terms of like, um, be hasty and, and just do something to get it done. Um, as in quickly. If you make haste, a lot of times in the Bible, if you make haste, you're speedily doing something, right? Um, there's, there's definitely times where like in Psalm 119, where it talks about how I made haste to, to do the Lord's commandments. That's what we're talking about here. Diligence means quickness. It also means with earnest. So you do so um, with, with investment. You do so with intention. When you give diligence, you earnestly and honestly decide that you're going to pursue this thing that is is there in front of you. And and lastly, it's carefulness. And this is what I I want to come with a a careful and honest heart and a quick heart to respond to God. Where we're at right now, um, this word, if you look at that and you say, I'm giving all diligence, I'm giving all carefulness. That's what Peter is saying here. With all carefulness, look at these seven characteristics that I'm about to tell you. And they don't have the church that you have. They don't have the pastors that you have. They have the Spirit of God, the same Spirit of God. They have the same word. They may even have people that watch the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I can tell you, they don't have the investment that you have. And it's not to puff us up. It's not to make us to be anything we're not. 
They just don't have this, this letter. He's like, carefully look over these things because these seven things I'm going to tell you, they pertain unto all things in life and godliness. Okay, so if we're to be diligent with these characteristics, we must first purpose in our heart to obey what the word of God actually says. That's the key. You can, you can hear these, this word. You can read this perfect book. And if you don't know, this book is perfect. But if you don't actually put your heart and purpose it to obey it, you're not going to get what you need out of it. And that may be why when I said earlier that you're reading your Bible and you're not getting anything from it, it may be because of that. It may be because intellectually you've said, yeah, this is the word of God. But in your heart, you haven't said, I won't let any of it fall to the ground like Samuel said. You haven't said that I won't. You haven't said that I'll do anything that it says like Psalm 119 is all about. All right, so add to your faith. So giving all diligence, add to your faith. I talked about faith being the basis, and we saw that picture. And that little box at the bottom is just a, is just a basis, the foundation. That's the start. That's the beginning line. So what are you supposed to add to your faith? Well, you start with virtue. Very first thing, that's what it says. Virtue. So what is virtue? Well, virtue can be defined as moral power, and sometimes excellence of soul, right? Um, virtue is, is this understanding of what is right. Um, but also that word power. It's not just about understanding what is right. That's, that's where knowledge comes into play. Virtue is saying, I know knowledge. I know truth. And now my faith has to have legs. And I'm actually going to walk in the way that it says. My faith has feet to it, and I'm going to make haste with those feet, and I'm going to walk in the right ways of the Lord. If you do a study on virtue, you see that it is exclusively a spiritual characteristic, not a physical one. You can't buy virtue. You can't just find it along the road. You have to search for it. And we'll see an example of that here in a minute. But you have to try. You have to look for it. It's a spiritual characteristic, and, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Webster's Dictionary, 1828 Dictionary, um, describes virtue as this. Virtue is nothing but voluntary obedience to truth. And if I was to sum that up, that's just so perfect. I was looking for that little bow on it the other day when I was doing this message, and this was it. Virtue is nothing but voluntary obedience to truth. If you don't get anything else from this message except for one thing, it's that. We know truth. We have the word of truth. Virtue, a virtuous person says, I'm going to obey the truth regardless of the cost. So notice immediately after you obtain that like precious faith, he says, okay, add to that faith. You're not done yet. Add to your faith virtue. Okay. So, so why is virtue before knowledge? If knowledge is so important, if knowledge is the thing that um, saved you, if knowledge is the thing that um, will sanctify you, is knowledge is the thing that you're constantly getting your whole life, why virtue first? Because regardless of how good the word of God is, and I'm telling you, it's good. If your heart is hard, you won't do what it says. You will not do what it says. You'll look at that word and you'll let it fall to the ground. You'll miss a, a painting. You'll miss um, like, like imagine a, like a beautiful painting. I've seen, I've seen stories about these where like paintings will sit in garages 
right? For like 20, 30, 40 years, they'll come out of like World War II or they'll be from like some museum or I'm sorry, from some family member after they die. And um, they'll be like an estate sale. It's happened plenty of times. And the, and the grandson or the granddaughter or whatever, they'll say, hey, I have this painting and like, do you want it? And then like an art curator will look at it and they'll be like, oh, that's a, I'm gonna make up some name. I don't know, like, what'd you say? Mozart, <laughs> let's just say Van Gogh. Like that's a Van Gogh. And you're like, oh no, I didn't know. I don't even know who Van Gogh is. And they're like, Van Gogh, this is painting is probably worth $30,000. And you're like, what the heck? My family bought that for like 10 bucks at a garage sale 30 years ago. And you're like, yeah, well, why, why did that happen? Why does the $30,000 painting sit in the attic the whole time collecting dust, not being taken care of like it should or properly valued? It's because nobody looked at that with the right perspective, with the right heart attitude. An art curator, they love art. They value art. And when they see art, and they see a $30,000 painting, art curators' eyes light up. I mean, I, I don't like art, so I, you know, I'm sure it does. Like Miles and Brandon, that's their thing, and that's great. Like Dan, Eric, those guys love art. And I'm so, I'm so like grateful for them and, and just their perspective on things, but like that ain't me. Not at all. I went to the I went to the Nelson one time with Miles Cheadle, and he was just like he was just like, oh, this is this and this is this, and he's like giving me long stories about these things, and I'm like, bro, that's just streaks on a that's just streaks on a paper. <laughs> that's all that is. I was like, a kindergartner painted that. That's exactly what happened. One of Nate's many children painted that, <laughs> and it's up in the Nelson right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? I know, I know. I just nod and agree and I just say, yeah, man, it looks cool, you know, because he's my friend and I love him. But um, anyways, I don't value art like I should, but that's because I don't know. It's because I, I don't have the, the care, the intention to value art like they do. And that's okay. But when the word of God is, is just sitting there, this right here, which is far more valuable than any Van Gogh or any other painting that's out there when it sits on your shelf it's more valuable than a thirty thousand dollar painting but that too it collects dust and you don't take care of it properly and you don't value it like you should and that's because at some point in time you did not decide that god's word god's truth was worth obeying it's okay it's what we're here for today so, so why would we add this? Um, I stole this example from Alex Allen. Um, if, if faith is the vehicle, virtue would be the gas. That's what he said. And that's, that's, it still rings true today. If faith is, your, is the vehicle, you got to get gas in it to move, right? Or else your faith is just stagnant. What's the point in a really cool car if it has no gas in it? Believer, you have the coolest car there is on a block. And you all have, some of you all haven't been putting gas in it the whole time. You bought that car and you sat it in your driveway and everyone's like, oh, wow, what a nice car. And you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't drive it. What? What? Are you kidding me? If I had a Lambo, I would drive that thing literally everywhere. I would be like doing grocery runs for people and stuff like that. I'd be like, you need milk? I got you. And I jump in that car and I drive it around and I go get one gallon of milk. <laughs> Half gallon, I'm a little cheap. Um, 
And I would just drive that Lambo wherever it went because I like nice cars. But man, why would you have this like precious faith, this most valuable thing that at the end of time, when everything disintegrates, that will remain. The virtuous faith that you have, this wonderful truth. <laughs> the Bible says God will melt the elements of the earth like with a fervent heat. He's literally going to torch the whole thing after judgment. And the only thing that will remain are two things, the souls of men and the word of God. Why would you just let that go? That's so precious. Why would we just let that fall to the ground? Why would we just let that faith just hide somewhere? Don't put that Lambo in the garage. Let that baby out. All right, so a story involving virtue. I'm kind of running behind, but um, Mark chapter 5. You guys have heard this before. Mark chapter 5. Um, there's going to be there's going to be two slides that have the verses on there because there's a there's 10 verses here. It's verses 24 through 34. Uh, verses will be on the screen. It says, and Jesus went with him. Uh, this was this was the, the the servant and his daughter, Jairus's daughter. Right. Um, Jairus says, come, come heal my daughter. Right. And he says, Jesus says, OK, show me where she's at. And Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, which she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, um, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Here it is. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of that plague. Man, I get choked up every time I read this chapter because it's such a good chapter. There's, check it. Jesus is going to do this thing. Jairus says, hey, my daughter, she's dying. I need your help. And Jesus says, okay. He makes haste. He walks in the way that he's supposed to go. He's going to go heal Jairus' daughter because that's what our God is. He's a healing and loving God. And this woman, she's 12 years, 12 years she's been dealing with this. Some of you are 14 years old, 15 years old, and that is not very much older than this. Almost your entire life, this woman's been dealing with an issue of, blood, of the blood. And listen, in other chapters, it says, and in here too, it says that the physicians, they can't fix it. She went to the world. The world didn't have an answer for her, but she knew she knew what some of you and some of us in this room know is that with Jesus, if I just get near him, man, he'll fix it. Man, if I just get to maybe even touch the hem of his garment, man, Jesus will fix all of this. Do you know that? Man, do you know that this God isn't just something that your parents want you to believe? That this Bible isn't just something that you should read? It's something you need to read. Because if you just got close to Jesus, if you just came to him and you just brought him your junk, Jesus Christ would fix all of it immediately, in an instant. 
Notice his disciples are focused on, the, on, the, on Jairus' daughter. But Jesus, he knows. She touches his garment, and immediately, what does it say? That virtue came out of him. What does that tell me? Man, it tells me a lot. But what, what, we'll get to that in a second. What also this tells me, this passage tells me, is he stops. Jesus knows. This woman was seeking something, and out of him came virtue, and he said, hey, who touched my clothes? Not to condemn, not to say, why did you touch my clothes? Who did it? Because that person was seeking after Jesus Christ. And Jesus is a rewarder of those who seek diligently after him. That's what the Bible says. So he stops what he's doing, and he's like, who touched my clothes? Because he wants to talk to them. Have you been reaching out to Jesus? And, and you feel like he's not answering the phone? Man, maybe your heart isn't actually in it. Maybe you've been saying, I'm reaching out to Jesus, but you're not doing so with desperacy and honesty, knowing that this is your only option for salvation or, or for peace or from whatever you're struggling with. But he says, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out. So, so we learn a few things from this passage, but key point number two says this, virtue can only be gained from a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Did you get that? Virtue can only be obtained. We can only get virtue from having a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Um. Yeah, yeah, this woman, I, I love this story. The multitude's around. There's a whole crowd. Jesus is on the way to do something. And she says, Jesus. She didn't even say anything. She just grabs his hem of his garment, right? And then he says, who touched me? He stops. You want a close personal relationship with me, Jesus says? You got it. Here we are. And you notice at the end, what he says is, daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole. If you don't know, faith in Jesus Christ will make you whole. Faith in Jesus Christ will fix your problems. Maybe not all of them. Maybe you still get made fun of. Maybe you still get persecuted. You still got to work a job, pay taxes, all the fun stuff. Um, man, the major things, those things just melt away a lot of times in the face, in the face of Jesus Christ. This, this extends beyond saving faith. This virtue does an occasional church attendance. This isn't, I come to church on Sundays. This isn't, I go to hang out on Tuesdays. I play the games. I listen to the message. This is, I get in my word daily and I trust that whatever I'm going to read, whatever truth is there, I'm just going to obey it. I'm not going to question it. I'm going to know that this truth is real and I'm just going to do what it says. Virtue comes from spending time with God and his word and falling in love with him. That's it. Once we fall in love with him, we become willing to obey his word. That's that, that's that place that we're at. It's, it's faith. It's love. And then the, those two things together combine. And now, now we're ready to obey because I believed on him and I love him. And I just want to do what he says. Here's a couple of verses to consider. First John chapter five and verse three, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. I'm not just saying that we need to keep his commandments. The Bible isn't just saying, not just saying that we need to keep his commandments. But we need to understand their, their weight. They're both heavy and light at the same point in time. 
The word of God is heavy in the sense that it's a lot and that there's so much there and that this truth, they're not something to be taken lightly, but God made it to where it's also light that you can carry it around. It's not a, it's not a burden. It's not a yoke upon your neck. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. And his commandments, man, they're actually easy to do. I'm sorry, they're simple and they're not always easy. But they're actually, if we're walking in the spirit, it's an easy decision. Because you know, you know God's always right. Second verse, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. It's a very important verse. So important to understanding who you are and for your salvation and your sanctification. But if you say that you're in him, you ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. You ought to be doing the things that he does. I'm not saying just love people. That's like a basis again. I'm saying like, I don't know, abstaining from fornication. I'm saying like um, not getting drunk. I'm saying like for things that your classmates and the world will tell you is, is good. There'll be adults who are like, don't get married till you're 30. Do they really expect you to just abstain from all those things until you're 30? No, they want you to go do whatever you want. Why? Because the world doesn't care about your God. They don't until they need to. A virtuous person's life proclaims their willingness to be used by God. That's where we're at today. A virtuous person's life claims, it screams to people. I know this truth and I want to obey this truth. My life is God's. He can do whatever he wants with it. So if you're here today and you say, I obey God, but you don't see these vir- this virtue in your life that I keep talking about, man, we might ought to reconsider where we're at with the Lord. I'm not saying reconsider your salvation. I'm saying reconsider where you're at with the Lord currently. All right. Key point number three. We're on the home stretch here. Virtue separates those who want to know about God to those who want to know God. Virtue separates those who want to know about God to those who want to know God. It's not enough to be um, faith adjacent. You don't get into heaven by like being Christian-like, right? Being near the spirit of God. You get to heaven by being in the spirit of God, like being, being in Christ Jesus, right? So knowing about God, knowing facts about God isn't enough to save you or to change you. Knowing God, believing on his finished work on the cross, and then believing on everything else after that, his truth, that's what saves you and what gives you a reward at the judgment seat of Christ. There are plenty of people in the Mark chapter 5 who are surrounding God. His disciples are even in a circle right next to him. The one who wants to know him the most is the one who ran through the crowd and desperately said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, man, he can do anything for me. He can, he can make me whole. She knew what, what we need to know, that she's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That if we take with diligence, with, with haste, if we do this quickly and we do this swiftly and we do this knowing that Jesus is the way, man, he can fix it. That's what healed her. That's what made her whole. That faith in who Christ was. 
Um, if we're to get truth and obey truth, we must have an intimate understanding of the word of truth, Jesus Christ. This verse isn't up here. I, I kind of threw it in at the last minute. It's Proverbs 16, verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Man, I could talk for an hour about what it means for your ways to please the Lord. How crazy is that in a good way? How awesome is that? That not only is there this wonderful, all-knowing, all-powerful God, but he wants your ways, your ways to please him. I can't imagine anything pleasing God in my flesh. I know, in fact, there's nothing in my flesh that will please God. Your ways, your walk with the Lord spiritually, man, that pleases him so much. All right. I'll talk about... Uh, knowledge for just a few minutes. I want to get in prayer groups, but it's kind of getting close to time. Um, knowledge. Okay, so knowledge is moral wisdom. Knowledge is understanding how to live right. This is this is is knowing the Bible, right? This is knowing truth. Um, we won't get too much into it. I, I'll tell you a couple quick things about knowledge. You got a, a, a heap of of information about knowledge and about truth at all church retreat. Your pastors constantly talk about understanding your Bible. I've mentioned it a few times. Knowledge doesn't have to be talked about as much as virtue because knowledge is gained through reading the word. But I, I want to say that 171 times in your Bible, knowledge is mentioned. And the very first one of that is Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. It talks about the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, it says to guard that, that tree and, keep, and stay stay away from it. Don't, don't go into it, right? Because knowledge, as we see from the first mention, can be good or bad. It can be good and it should be good. And knowledge is supposed to be used for good. Um, but people use it to their detriment all the time. I know smart men, way smarter men than I, that let knowledge carry them away. And, and they, they, they look in their Bible, like Sam says, and they find one truth or truth, I should say in quotes. And they're the only person that sees that. They're the only person that says, yeah, that's me. I know what it says. And they show it to their friends. They show it to their trusted counselors. They're like, hey, I don't really see that there. Unfortunately, there's been many men and many women that have been cast away, or I'm sorry, not cast away, that have been uh, drawn away by that knowledge. And so whatever it is, whatever knowledge um, that you have, pray through that. Give that over to the Lord. And then if God says, yeah, that's true through your word, through your church, through the spirit, hopefully all three things, go back to virtue and, and just obey it. If that knowledge is clear and you see, yeah, this is truth. Yeah, this is about me. Yeah, this is about what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay, well, that's clear. Plain as day. And go back to virtue. Just obey it. Um, knowledge isn't just information about God. It is information of God and his very attributes. Knowledge is what led to your salvation. Like I said earlier, you believed on the death, burial, and resurrection, according to the scriptures. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, right? You believed on that, for that knowledge. That knowledge led to your faith. That faith led to love. That love and faith led to virtue. 
So knowledge isn't important just for your salvation. It's also important for your sanctification. Get knowledge. The Bible says get wisdom, get understanding to keep getting it, right? So if you've been walking with the Lord five minutes or 50 years, and you've been walking with him 50 years, but um, keep getting knowledge, keep gaining knowledge. But again, obey that truth that you've been given. So one, one last key point is this key point number four knowledge without virtue is vain and ineffective if my um if my faith is only set on reading a proverb a day or reading a couple verses a day and then um not doing anything that it says i'm just a, a silly man that's all i am I'm not, I'm not learning anything. I'm not really gaining anything important. I'm getting head knowledge, but it's not actually doing anything. If my feet, or my, sorry, if my faith don't, does not have feet, well, then I'm just a guy who's really smart or whatever. And I'm going to be completely ineffective for the kingdom of God. Sam says that, uh, I mean, other people have said this too, that the hardest 18 inches is from your brain to your heart. Trying to get that information that is into your brain to go into your heart. But if we pray, if we trust the Lord, if we believe that the spirit of God is, is going to do its work, well, then that stuff that is in the brain will make its way to the heart. If you just give Jesus time, there's passages that I chew on for a while before God gets a hold of me. Once he does, it's so good. It's so worth the labor. It's so worth it. Um, and then our last, our last thing, and I'll be done, is a key question. In your daily quiet time, if you have daily quiet time, um, are you provoked to know truth and then obey that truth? Or, or are you just getting up because it's a religious activity? Are you just getting up 20 minutes before you are supposed to leave, I guess, longer if you actually shower in the morning or whatever? Um, are you just getting up a few minutes early and reading a couple verses and then saying, okay, I did my thing, God. Or is your quiet time honest praying and, and reading and trusting that the Lord will give you something? Um, <laughs> Kenny Morgan gave me some truth that was really good one time. I was, I was talking to him about my, my prayer life and my morning quiet time. And, and I said, Kenny, I'm, I'm, I don't have time to do a chapter a day like I used to do. And I don't have all this time to, to make... Um, to write everything down like I want to. And, and he said, hey, man, you don't have to do all that. You don't have to get up every day and read a chapter. He said, if you read a verse or even just study out a word and, and you chew on that throughout the day and that word, it, it goes into your heart and impacts your life, that's what God wants. That's what God wants from you. He doesn't want you to get up and do a book report every morning. He wants you to be with him. That's what this is all about. That's what this quiet time's about. I didn't have much time this morning, so I read my proverb of the day, and I just took one verse, and I just chewed on it. And you know, sometimes when I do that, and I'll get busy throughout the day, I'll, I'll be reading a verse or something like that, and I'll be, I'm in 1 Kings right now, so I'll be reading in 1 Kings, and, and God will give me a, a morsel of truth. And I'm like, that makes sense, but I'm still like not 
he hasn't really driven it home yet. I'll go throughout my day. That's okay. I'll write down some things. I'll, I'll keep it in my brain. I'll go through my day, and in the middle of my day, God will hit me with it. And it'll be like, this is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to know. And it's like halfway through my day. And first thing I do is I praise God. I thank him for that truth. And then you know what I do? I say, God, let me not forget it. If you gain one thing each day about the Lord, if you gain one piece of knowledge and you actually put your feet to the ground, you put your hand to the plow, you do work, you, you are affected by it, the kingdom of God is increased because you decided that you were going to learn truth and obey truth. I don't care how much you read in the morning. I don't. Again, if it's a phrase... You could go through 2 Peter chapter 1 and you could spend over a week just studying out 1 through 5. You could go through verse 2 and you could split that up, or verse 5, and you could split that up through a few days because there's, there's faith. You could just study out faith one day. And then there's virtue. And you could just spend your time studying out virtue that day, the next day. And then the third day, you could just talk about knowledge. And if those three things, if you got those three things down at your age, man, God would use you for anything. God would use you to be a, a worship leader or a, a pastor or an evangelist or a, a quiet worker who stands in the door and is hospitable, but has a ton of fruit at the judgment seat for it. Maybe God's calling you to one of those things. I don't know. I would not dare to tell you what God's calling you to do necessarily, but I can tell you this. If you get up daily and you say, God, I want to know truth and I want to obey that truth, God will reward that. I said it earlier. God is a rewarder of those who seek him diligently. And that is still true. So as we close and as we pray, we won't have time to do prayer groups, but... Um, Let's think about this. Let's consider this as we go into service. I don't know. I guess if Sam's preaching, then he's going to be preaching on Genesis again. Okay. You're like, we're going to be in Genesis for four years, Brock. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to get a lot of truth from it. We're going to have a lot of fun in it. And if we listen and we determine that God's truth and that God is worth being right with, then we will get something every single Sunday. As we close and as we pray, can we just determine to go in there and listen to truth and take something from it? I don't care if it's something so simple yet complex as the cross. If all you think about today is Jesus Christ bled out and died for me, you can run with that. Because that is something that I will, you should never get over. If that truth is all you can remember today, and that's the truth that God hits you with, Man, remember, Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was buried and he resurrected on the third day. And that is reason for me to have faith, to have love, to have joy in, in God, to follow him, to, to walk arm in arm with him as we do this thing. That's enough. But God gave me much more than just that simple truth. There's 66 books for that reason. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word and you. Like I said earlier, Lord, I, I can't get over it. I can't imagine why you would ever die for me, but you did. I can't imagine why you would continue to, to, to love me and lead me. I'm such a disobedient man. 
God, I look at your word and I, and I see all these things. And I know there's people here that do too, and they see the good and the bad in themselves. And, and Lord, as we sit here today, I pray that we would repent of that bad, that we would turn away from the things that, um, yeah, Lord, that we know aren't good for us, that we wouldn't walk that certain way, that that knowledge that's been instilled in us, even since our very salvation would be, um, Lord, that we would, we would just obey to do it, that we would just listen to that word that's been preached unto us, that faithfully been preached unto us. As we close and as we go into second service, I pray that, that we wouldn't be exhausted and tired and um, focused on the wrong things. God, that we would be encouraged, that we would be uh, energized, that we would get coffee that would keep us awake and keep us diligent to do the things and to hear the things that you have for us. God will miss it if you don't give it to us. And God forbid we continue to miss truth. Father, we love you. We praise you. God, would you just have your way in our, high, in our hearts and minds? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.